Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20, and save 20% off your jig order. Finn podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Brad. <laughs> Josh. And I'm Sam. What's so funny? I don't know. I was You're trying. Not. I was trying to seduce our listeners. It, I think yeah. Sam's had too many beers. <laughs> no, not enough not for that enough. intro. <laughs> oh, I try to change it up. I try to change it up. Well. Tonight, you guys, we're going to bring you a little bonus episode. Uh, this is going up a little late, but uh, we wanted to give this a whirl, do a little little uh, kind of roundtable thing with a few of our different hosts. Uh, you know, we got uh, myself from the OG show. We got Josh from the final cast and Sam and Brad from the Real down. So what do you guys want to talk about? There's a lot going on in the fishing world. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about fishing. Yeah, I think Sam has had a few beverages. <laughs> Hell, I've only been home for 20 minutes. I can't have that many. Jeez. 
road he was soda? On the way home. Yeah, I was gonna say you have some road sodies or what, dude? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if if we're gonna talk about you and I, we got uh, we got lacrosse coming up. That's uh, that's gonna be an exciting event, you know the. Uh, Trail Series Championship, Pro Tour Championship, Challenge Championship, all up there. The weather looks interesting. I know this weekend, or actually I think it's uh, tomorrow evening, they're supposed to get like two inches of snow or something with that big snowstorm rolling through. Water's flooded, so that's going to be interesting. I've seen some chitter-chatter that, you know, some ramps are closed, um, things like that so it's going to be like when we were up there for the trail uh trail stop for the central division where we had flooded flooded areas all over the place so should make yeah. should make for an inter- interesting time but uh yeah we well pre- you know it's it shouldn't be easy right like it is it's the championship it's the uh yeah. the best of the best getting together to fish what is known to be one of the best fisheries in the midwest and uh you know tough conditions will test all the anglers and i think it i think that's the way it should be yeah for sure dude for sure how are you fishing in cold weather um it's probably not my strong suit i would say i i hate the cold personally like when it starts getting cold i would much rather drive south then stay around here and fish or go further north and fish i think though the thing to keep in mind is though the air temperature is dropping the water temperature hasn't yeah crashed yet and those fish are still gonna be i mean it should be prime it really should be should be some prime fishing however you know with with the water high and the cold temps you know the vegetation i'm sure is dying off or is gone um, so I think it's going to change what guys are, were anticipating on doing. Sure. Um, and I don't know, that may work to my advantage or it may not, but, uh, yeah, I'm not a super big fan of it, but I'm excited and ready to go. So what, what do you guys do for, uh, what's your guys' go-to for like colder weather, that fall transition? Uh, I guess let's start with Josh. And then we'll go to Brad and so on and so forth. I uh, I like to throw a lot of um, big minnow Im- imitation baits. You know, from what I understand, bass kind of switch from eating a lot of crawdads to eating a lot of bait fish. Um, you know, it's a heartier meal. So um, I've even been known to upgrade, like you know, the size of Kytex that I throw. I'll usually go from a three eight to four threes, and even maybe up to four eights. Um, you know, they really start targeting bigger bait fish if they can get a hold of them. So that's at least what I've read a lot of times. And uh, summertime, though, like usually the smaller ones, but they'll start eating big ones. Man, I've always been told to hit hit up in that five inch mark with flukes and. Um, you know, especially if you can find them shallow fluke flukes are awesome in the, in the fall time. A lot of times, man, especially if they're weightless and you could get around the grass and the shallows, you know, that's what I was going to say for you guys. But if, if it gets as cold as what I've heard that it's supposed to in lacrosse, it's going to be a little weird, man. It's going to be a, 
a hard pattern i think to figure out because you would think with the flooding that's going on but if it stayed relatively warm they might just move up shallow into some like new areas kind of like how brad fished in the springtime in Cowan. you know he was finding right up on the bank because that lake was what five feet higher than it normally was five or six feet higher yep and uh you know it provides a lot of new cover options for those fish to be hunting in but if it's that cold man it's gonna put a twist on things sure sure but that's that's what i tend to throw a lot um i think spinner baits be good too so but i suck at throwing moving baits i don't have the patience for a lot of times (laughs) interesting interesting you mean you just don't have the patience for covering like the, the amount of water that you need to or yeah, I'm just not a good fisherman, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, have a pa- I have a passion for it, like, but like, I literally, I'm like Jay when it comes to being stubborn about something that I know how to throw. Like, you know, I'm a big believer in being confident what you're throwing, and I'm not confident in a lot of stuff yet. So, um, you know, like, I have a few baits that I'm good at throwing, and you know that that I know how to you know, what kind of like action works here and there, but you know, it's just something I need to practice with, you know, and, um, you know, more time on the water, you know, I, right now just with work and everything, it's like kind of select here and there. So I try to make the best of my time. If I had more time on the water, I think I could experiment more. You know, I'm trying to shoot for that, you know, but I don't know. I really think if you throw a lot of like you know bait fish imitations whether it is crankbaits or whatever you, you you're gonna have a good chance of hooking up i don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to throw crawl baits but you know it, it may be a bite for it it may not be but i think your chances are going to be better with some sort of bait fish uh imitation so it's interesting interesting your thoughts mr hicks uh, i i <clears throat> pretty much agree with them on the bait fish thing i mean i throw a lot of uh swim baits in the fall uh specifically when i'm river fishing uh i'll usually use bigger swim baits like a three and a quarter instead of like my two and three quarter uh big josh yet i typically throw and then uh this year i've been throwing the trd a lot yeah yeah yeah. so uh, i'm i will be using that a lot a lot more throughout the fall this year and then also, I, I do like to throw the top water. My my favorite one is the uh, Strike King Triwing Buzzbait. Nice, nice. I one like of my it. favorites. Okay. What are you thinking, Mister Jones? Or you don't want to give that information out? No, I mean I'm happy to share. Um, so there's a reason I. I talk about it a lot. Like, there's a reason that I carry so much stuff. Like, I'm, my boat's loaded down more than boat most boats I know. Um, I don't know. You ever carried Brad Hicks' boat? <laughs> I mean, I'm Look, just saying, bro. Like, you're gonna have boat, to have though. back surgery after carrying that thing. <laughs> you've seen my boat, though, man. I'll have yeah, ten rods yeah. out. I'll have three or four rods in the locker. Bags of ta- like. 60 pounds of plastics, hard baits, you know, 30 jigs. Like, I carry a lot of stuff, but there's a reason for it. Like, I'm very much about fishing 
the current conditions. Sure. I try not to go out there with that one track line. Like I'm going to throw a jig all day and if I don't get bit on it, that's it. Like I try and find, I try and fish the conditions always and be prepared for any condition. Um, I mean, I even remember like growing up, like fishing the bank, dude, I carried around the biggest tackle bag. It was a duffel bag. And I carried that thing around and uh, everyone gave me hell for it all the time. But I just, I always want to be prepared. And I think in the fall, that's when it's the most important. Sure. Like in the fall, you have to be ready to switch it up. Those fish will change um, on the drop of a coin. It, it doesn't take much, you know, maybe it's wind, maybe it's cloud cover, um, maybe it's current, whatever it is, they change so often and they're constantly on the move. So for me in the fall, it could be a spinner bait. It could be a chatter bait. It could be a jig. Um, Josh is right. The fluke is deadly in the fall. You can fish it top on top you can fish it just under the surface you can fish it deep you know i just watched uh tactical bass and guys did an awesome video on all the ways to fish a fluke yeah um you know square square bill crankbait can be deadly um but i mean if i had to narrow it down you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be definitely throwing a spinner bait a swim bait uh some sort of top water is and that's probably going to be my top three and mix in a swim jig um whether that be a vibrating one or not that's probably going to be in there too um so let me ask you this you know you carry all this gear because i do the same thing especially when we're tournament fishing or pre-fishing when you start dialing some stuff in do you scale back the amount of gear when you go out tournament day or do you still carry the same amount um, cause I kind of scale it back a little bit once I got something dialed in. So that's why I'm asking. I'm curious. I do. I do somewhat, but not a ton. So because even on tournament day, if I have it dialed in, conditions can change. Sure. Conditions sure, sure, sure. can change. The bite can change. So I kind of have a system. So during practice, my boxes the way they're set up is just kind of like a hodgepodge of everything. But after practice on tournament day, and you've seen this, you've seen me in the garage. Um, you've seen me out in the parking lot late the day before tournament. Um, what I'll do is I will, I have what I call my go-to boxes and my go-to bags. So I always bring empty boxes with me, Plano boxes. Yep. And I will, I will set up, this is my go-to. This is the stuff that I'm going to be throwing um, no matter what. Same thing with my plastics. And then I have my backup boxes, um, the things that I think, if this stuff doesn't work, this is the stuff I'll most likely go to. But I still carry a pretty good variety of everything. Sure. Um, just, just in case, man, conditions call for it. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah, I was just curious on that as you were stating that because, yeah, I know you carry a lot of stuff. I carry quite a bit as well uh, mm -hmm. going out pre-fishing, but then it seems like tournament day I kind of eliminate some stuff that, you know, I know wasn't working unless, you you know, obviously we're always looking at the weather and things like that, and if there's some weather change and stuff, I'll, 
I'll throw some added stuff in there, but just curious. Yeah. Just curious. So, yeah. What about you, Brian? Oh, man. I was trying to get away from not answering <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much on board with everything you guys say, uh, except I'm still throwing the jig a little bit. I still think you're going to find some of those bigger fish wanting to, to, to mow down on some fresh crawdads down at the bottom there. So, yeah, I mean, I'll still rotate the jig in there just because I'm a, a pretty prominent jig fisherman. Um, but, uh, yeah, chatterbait, spinnerbait, uh, I'll throw some, some square bill action in there. Maybe, uh, some top water, uh, definitely top water. I know last year I caught, I think the biggest fish I caught, it was just over 20. That was on a chatterbait. I thought it was on a buzzbait, but I mean, I'm right there with Brad. I love throwing buzzbaits. Um, that striking one's sexy. Heck if I want one where I can change it up between like loud and quiet and like a fast retrieve, slow retrieve, I'll throw the ones that Jay Randall makes. Um, I was about to say that. Yeah. Those are unique because it's got the, uh, the quad blade in the center. And then what is it? A double? Yeah. It's a double or a triple on the outside, but you could either get those going real loud or you can have them super quiet, super low like can, a low sound and and they track really straight so and you can uh, reel them real slow too he, he yeah, let me yeah. use el hollow yeah i liked it a lot yeah they're unique uh mr randall has probably a few hundred dollars of mine from buzz baits i bought from him over the past two years so <laughs> uh, i have a, a nice collection um stashed away yep. so but uh, yeah i mean I think, you know, going back to what Sam was talking about when we originally brought up lacrosse was, you know, I think a lot of guys are counting on that frog bite, which may or may not be there. So especially if a lot of that vegetation went away, I think those fish are going to kind of scatter out of those pockets. So it'll be interesting to see what it looks like when we get up there. I mean, you won't really know until you put your eyes on the water, I think. I mean, I've done some map study. I got some, some things in mind, but... You know, uh, it's it could be a whole different ball game by the time you get up there. You know, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. That's a river tournament, right? Yeah, it's Mississippi River. Okay. But there's Ooh, like there's seven, like eight, and nine. nine. But there's a lot of sloughs and backwaters and kind of lake style pockets in there i yeah i remember you sent us a picture earlier from the trail series when you were up there you, you were in your uh blue sky and you're just paddling or pedaling around all those trees back yeah, in yeah. There. it was flooded oh <laughs> uh, you <laughs> well yeah well that's that's yeah. when it was flooded and i was i was actually over what used to be islands and yeah and i had fish pegged up behind trees in there but then come tournament morning that water dropped like a foot mm-hmm. foot and a half on that lower pool uh, so yeah what were you yeah, gonna yeah. say josh so what do you guys think about like throwing like a wacky rig like four inch senko or something like that because and like i would think that would maybe be a good bait because of uh 
especially where you guys are headed with flooding issues and you know maybe and if it gets real cold some of the shad and stuff might start uh dying off a little bit or the bay fish and you know they'll be falling down like in the water and you can kind of create that same effect of it you know using like you know some shad colored like worms and stuff wacky rigged where they kind of fall slowly like a dying bait fish would yes you just watched a video i'm assuming right no i just oh, <laughs> tactical bass and just did a video on the wacky rig fall they were catching huge smallies up around docks and stuff but mm -hmm. i mean yeah uh that could definitely work too it's going to be more of a finesse style than like a, a little power action. Interestingly like enough, that was one of the first techniques I learned to fish was a wacky rig bass fishing. That was one of the first techniques, and I rarely ever throw it anymore. I can't stand throwing it. I've never really thrown it. Uh, I've either. A few times, I'm more of a like Texas rigged weightless when I'm throwing a Senko. Just yeah. because I think you can get more of that like zigzag twitch motion, kind of like a spook bait on the top water, but you can get that out of a weightless Senko, which kind of drives fish nuts sometimes. So yeah, I just man, I don't fish it a whole lot. I did order, and Josh for kind of the exact reason you were just talking. I did just order and sitting in the box over here some uh, some sassy sticks, which are biz baits. Uh, style Cinco and I ordered I ordered quite a few of those just for this tournament for that exact kind of thought but man I gotta be honest I just really don't fish it a whole lot I and I think part of that too and this is something that I didn't talk about when I was kind of giving my two cents on fall fishing like I prefer to not fish anywhere near the bank yeah 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 you know I'm an offshore that's that's where I'm comfortable that's where I like to be so I just, those, those really, I fish, I consider myself a power finesse fisherman, but, um, I don't fish real shallow a whole lot unless I absolutely have to. So that's part of it, but it's just so slow to me. And it's like, I like being able to feel something on the bottom or feel something moving. And that's just kind of sitting out there. And I know it's a deadly technique and it's won a lot of money, but it, I, it's hard for me to do it. Sure. Sure. I hear you. I hear you. Well, that's why you got to be universal, bro. I'm, I'm pretty universal. I just <laughs> happen to not like throwing a wacky rig. Well, neither do I, so we're even. We're even. I've never thrown it either, so. Well, uh, I, I brought this up before we started. It, it, since we're on, like, techniques and, and baits and stuff, um, first off, want to – congratulate and give a shout out to uh our friend justin marshall who just won the uh buckeye kayak trail on the it was on the great miami river right uh dayton rivers dayton rivers so they had like five rivers to pick from in this area okay and he caught his pb smally it was what 20 and a quarter yep yep 20 and a quarter Sweet. inch um but uh i was listening to that podcast uh the buckeye kayak trail podcast uh shout out to zach Carell, who runs that over there but um you know they were interviewing justin and and uh they were asking him what baits he used and you know he started with i think a whopper plopper and then he went over to the trd and he started catching fish 
and they brought up the conversation of the TRD and how, um, you know, they were kind of skeptical when it came out and people were like, oh, you're slamming fish. But a lot of people think that you'll only catch small fish with it. Um, however, that's not the case. I know I've caught big fish on, on the TRD. Uh, Justin caught his 20 and a quarter inch smallmouth on the TRD. I know Mr. Hicks has caught numerous fish over 16 inches on a TRD. So, I mean, well, I know I had that same concept when it came out. I'm like, what, are you going to catch bluegills with this thing? You know, because <laughs> it's a small bait. You wouldn't think that it would catch big fish. However, when you have that tough bite, I think that's the bait that everybody pulls out just to, you know, capture a limit. Yeah, it's, some of your fish may be smaller, and I know Josh uh, said something uh, when I brought this up, like, you know, you will catch smaller fish, but you got to weed through fish to get to those bigger fish. So, I don't know, thoughts, ideas on that? Sam looks I like agree he's with- hard and... <laughs> hardened thought and he's ready to like slam everything i just said (laughs) (laughs) no i I agree that that thing does catch small fish but it also does catch big fish and i i can attest to that because i've caught my personal best on it like at least two or three times within the last week well two times actually one at doe hollow and then one at the river on saturday so yeah, it, it does catch small fish. It also does catch rock bass, but you're going to catch a big fish on it too. Sure, sure. Well, I know that's the only bait I threw up there uh, for the Madison Chain event, and we all know how that went. I think I think I got a big <laughs> bass for one hour, and I don't know, took eighth or ninth, whatever. <laughs> I always forget because there was some stipulation there, which you could hear all about tomorrow on tomorrow's <laughs> final cast podcast so i'm just looking at sam's face right now he, he i'm just waiting for him to say something he's, he's just like biting his tongue over there what do you <laughs> spill the beans bro man i gosh <laughs> i'm not gonna say i haven't thrown it but it's just one bait that it's kind of like the wacky worm man i just yeah. i can't you got I no can't. confidence no, I mean, I've caught fish on it. Actually, I know, like, in a tough tournament, I can tie that on. I've actually got a buddy out east to make some custom worms that I specifically pick up just for that. But it's the last thing on my mind, usually. I Yes, you guys are 100% right. It will catch big fish. I mean, small baits of all types will sure. catch big fish. Crappie crankbaits catch some big largemouth sure um you know tiny little spinner baits uh a mep spinner uh yeah so it's, i mean you know the elephant and the peanut right sure like they're, they're gonna do it they're gonna eat it um you know out west i remember throwing eight nine ten inch glide baits and swim baits and then turning around and throwing a drop shot in the same area to catch big big bass um it's just again it's not it's not my thing. I don't, I'd much rather throw something else for me. It's going to be a shaky head. I'm going to yeah. lean more towards the shaky head, same concept. Um, but you know, just a slightly bigger presentation. So yeah, I guess if it, you're in a tournament where you're struggling to get a limit, it's not a bad idea to throw it. Um, 
and I know the smallmouth love it on the rivers, which I don't do much of. But yeah, I just it's one that I can't I can't talk myself into fishing very often. Do you say and, self? Don't fish it. <laughs> <laughs> We're just having fun here tonight, boys and girls. <laughs> you got any yes. input on this, Josh? Um, I I'm not a big fan of it, to be honest. Yeah, um, well, we're not fans of yours either, so that's, that's okay. <laughs> I I don't need any fans, man. I was just kidding. <laughs> I'm your biggest no, it's fan. Okay. It's okay, Brian. I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why you asked me my opinion. I'm asking for your opinion right now. But yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, I lose a lot of fish on that bait. Um, I think it's just due to the size of the hook. It's a tiny hook. It's really, really, really thin, and I think it's a, a easy hook for a fish to shake. Yeah. And um, especially when you're dealing with largemouth, uh, smallmouth, not so much. A lot of times you'll hook up and you'll stay hooked up with them, but with the the way largemouth. Uh, basically constructed man it's just kind of thin it's sort of like my jig fishing but i already know where you're gonna go with it <laughs> <laughs> i do not hook set the trd like i do a jig okay yeah um when i when i fish trds it's kind of um i i in a sense hook set sort of like you would if you were fishing a uh, drop shot so it's just kind of reel into the hook set. But I think with that weight being attached to that little hook, it's just something that's super, super easy for them to shake off, man. Um, it catches fish. It catches a lot of fish. I, I mean, I've hooked up with a lot of fish, but I've also lost a lot of fish. Like, you know, just you'll feel that head shake and you'll feel it pop right out. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a good bait. It's just... I think it's a bait that takes a lot of patience. So, are you using you know, like a one ounce it? Ned rig or what? No, no. So, what's your what's your rod setup? That's what I'd be curious. Like your rod and line setup on that. Um, I usually will throw like six or seven pound fluoro on it, and uh, you know, it's um, I think I have a six nine. Six nine or six ten spinning rod. Sounds about you know, what mine is. You know what power it is? Medium light. Should yeah. be the right. Should be the right setup. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's exact, just it, it's you know it's um it could be me it could be me keeping tension you know um sometimes it gets overzealous so. What'd you say, Sam? But, what heads do you use? I use, uh, I think I have three of the main sizes. I think I have the one-fifth uh, and the two below it. So it kind of yeah. all depends on how shallow. Obviously, I'll go lighter weight. The uh, sh more shallow I am and heavier, the deeper I'm fishing. But, yeah. And it's the traditional Z-Man mushroom head? Yeah. Yep, that's what I used to. I only use the Z-Man Nedlocks 15th ounce, like 80% of the time, no matter the depth of the water, in 10th ounce mm. occasionally. And I'll use 8-pound uh, floral, 
seven foot medium spinning rod. Like Here's a, little, a question. Like a little backbone. Fast action tip. Go ahead. The seat, like the medium that I have is a moderate action. The, the spinning rod that I have, so it's. I think that it would have too much bend. Go ahead, Brad. Have you guys seen those uh, uh, Ned EWG hooks? Yep. Yeah. The I ones think where so. it like kind of Texas rigs them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those I, are I, I, if you guys good for the big them, TRD. Yeah. You know, yeah. They say you can use the smaller ones on it too. So I will tell you if I'm going to throw a Ned, I, I said that, you know, I had this custom worm that I have made, which I love. But I really enjoy throwing a small creature bait. Sure. Um, like the biz baits, biz bug, the the baby biz bug. Yeah. Or um, like Gene Larue has a little little crawl. Jackal has like a little crawl. I like throwing little crawl imitations on there if I am going to throw it. I know Jay Randall's been testing some smaller craws by uh, crabby bass, and he's been having really good success on them. Today I ran down to the river for, I don't know, probably two hours, just fish from the bank. I caught like six fish, nothing huge, uh, but I was throwing the TRD craw on the 10th ounce. Mm. All my fish came on that. Yeah. So So there's a cool cool little thing about that. There, there's a guy here in Ohio, his name's Steve Coomer, and he talks about using smaller crawls on the rivers. He, he says these fish like the smaller crawls, but bigger minnow imitations sure so yeah makes sense smaller craws yeah. easier to eat right yeah um here's an interesting topic too because because of the whole ned rig craze um you know i specifically use z-man plastics i know sam you were just talking that you use another brand i've seen other uh companies making uh like ned rig style worms and things like that do you think there's like a huge difference i mean would that elastec because it floats i think it me personally i think it gives it a little bit more action when it's sitting down there in the bottom like you got any thoughts on that 100 percent. yeah i think well what's cool about the z-man the elastic is it just lasts so much longer um they float they've got good buoyancy they got good texture i think so when the fish are biting down um and they float i think uh i think you're spot on with that and that's similar so the the custom ones the hand pours that i have made that i use they're a floating worm um lots of different cool color options but they've got a ton of texture and scent to them as well so i think that's what you know sure gets that bite and keeps them holding on to it long enough for you to fill it and set the hook on it sure 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 interesting i like it all right can we talk about something other than the stupid trd now though <laughs> I, I was actually gonna mention uh uh you mentioned the the shaky head earlier i i've yep. fished that once this year and i've I, I caught fish the first time throwing it but uh how do you how do you fish that deep how do you fish it deep? Yeah. 
Same way you fish it shallow. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Well, I didn't know if you just like slowly drag it or you like bounce it or I, I'm not you sure. Keep going. You got you got it. You're doing it right there. So it's just like anything. It's just like anything else. When you're talking a jig, you're talking the Ned, a shaky head, a Texas rig worm, a swivel head, like any of those baits. There's there's different ways that you can fish it and you know typically with a shaky head you're either going to get bit on the fall or bit as bit as you're dragging it um i like to fish the shaky head in similar places as everyone else but i really like fishing it around wood cover Mm -hmm. um and in brush piles and i think a lot of people probably shy away from that you know, getting them hung up and stuff like that. I'm okay with losing some fish. I'm okay with getting a few baits hung up and breaking off. Uh, if it means I'm going to put a limit in the boat. So, but yeah, I mean, main lake points, dragging it. I pretty much always throw a quarter ounce. If I'm fishing real shallow, around docks, overhanging cover, something like that, I might throw a three sixteenths ounce throw a lot of quarter ounce but i also have some three eighths and half ounce even have one ounce shaky heads that i throw big big 12 inch like jelly worms on and stuff Mm. um but uh you know i throw a crawl on there a lot as well the main one (coughs) i'm throwing though is a quarter ounce tungsten shaky head it's got to be tungsten for me um and the business baits dizzy diamond that's yeah. that's my go-to right there. Generally, it's going to be green pumpkin blue or green pumpkin red, one of the two. So, and I'll alternate until I figure out which one they like better. You know, um, also depends on time of year. You know, is the crawfish in the lake blue or are they red? But yeah, that's that's pretty much it, man. I, I love fishing it in treetops as well, just like you would a drop shot, dropping it down on the treetops. And then just kind of raising it a couple times, seeing if you get bit on the fall or on the raise. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Brian, have you ever tried throwing those on the river? Shaky head? Uh, No. Well, kind of. (laughs) I I Uh, thought about trying it on those deep rocky banks, but I I wouldn't try it work well. I tried it in one of the rivers down there on uh, Table Rock. Uh, I think I got bit once, mm-hmm. but I didn't really use it that much. I know, like, that's Sam's jam. So that's funny, too. Like, Josh has seen me throw the shaky head out here on my home lake, and, like, I'm super comfortable doing it out here on my home lake, but I go other places, and, like, I never pull it out, which I think is kind of weird. I don't know. It's weird. It's It's yeah, like it's a confidence thing, you know? Especially for the sheer fact that uh, Sam just described the exact scenario that you're fishing on your home lake with a shaky head. Yeah, yeah, it's around <laughs> timber and so stuff. This like brings that. up an, an interesting topic, and it's something that I think about a lot, and I like to talk to people about because it, it's not a conversation that comes up much. But I think so much about what baits we choose to throw and why and where is all about how how well can you envision that bait in the water 
and sure. what that bait's doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you fished out there on your home lake so much that you can probably just envision what it looks like under the water. If you were standing under the water or yeah. if that lake went dry, you probably have a pretty good picture of it. So when you're out there and you're throwing that shaky head, you can literally envision it coming over every limb and you can envision the bass looking at it and it makes it easier for you to throw and you're more confident in it. I think that's the same anywhere you go. It's just what you can envision. Um, man, it was it was years ago. I was at a seminar, and one of the elite guys was talking about this, and I've thought about it ever since. And he was talking about grinding it out in tournaments. You know, when it's really tough and it's really hard, and you, you, it's tough to focus. And he was talking about how every cast you have to be so zoned in that you are mentally picturing a fish looking at your bait the entire time right and like what that fish is thinking and doing and how it's responding to your bait and he was and so i think that's that's an interesting thing to think about because i think that's where confidence comes from sure it it comes from that that ability to zone in on what's actually happening under the water like you know being really in tune with what that bait's doing right I've fished similar situations where it's probably almost an exact replica of the home lake, and I won't pull a damn shaky head out. So, like, I don't know why that is. Like, it's weird, and that's just part of my problem, I guess. Um, You know, and that's the thing, like, I tried to work on at the beginning of the season, and then, like, I just got too comfortable, and uh, my ego got in the way of things, and other things were on my mind and things of that nature but you know i think that's key though like what you're talking about is like every cast you should be focusing on that bait instead of all the pressures of being in that tournament right Mm -hmm. and i think that's pretty much what i'm talking about is i'm thinking about all that other tournament crap um that doesn't matter at that given point in time um instead of just fishing right and focusing on fishing so i think that's interesting man i that that all plays into that whole mental game of tournament fishing i think because that's the thing too like when we're out fun fishing i think we just don't care and we're out there having a good time we'll change up baits we'll take our sweet time doing it try Mm -hmm. and experiment new things and whatever but when it comes down to tournament time, I think you rely too ma- too much on those confident baits, or I do at least, you know. So mm-hmm. I think that's interesting conversation. Yeah, I would have to say, like, Sam's really on to something. When, when you're sitting there envisioning it, I know my best days have come to basically the places I spend the most time at, you know, like the, the section of river or whatever. You know, like all every year it happens the same way, man. Like there's a section of river that I fish in the springtime, dude, and I'll just have a spectacular day. And it's because I know exactly where to throw. I know exactly what's in the water. I know what rock piles are sitting where. I know where the vegetation is, you know, and it even gets to the point. It doesn't even really matter what bait that I'm throwing. It's as long as I'm getting baits into where exactly I know those fish are, you know, and you know, it's just it's it all comes with practice and time and you know that's the that's the tough thing about tournament fishing which really does separate 
skilled anglers from, you know, just the run of the mill weekend guys like I am is because you guys get out there and you guys spend time, but you also know how to dissect, start dissecting a lake down before you even get there. You know, you're, you're, you're canceling out water before you even show up there. And that's, that's vital. I think to having a good day on the water. Sure. And it's just, it's all about research and you put in the work. I think you're going to get the return. That's with anything in life. The harder you work, and the more practice you put in it, the better and more successful you're going to be in the long run. So, you know, that's why I don't, that's why I don't set like seriously high expectations for any tournament. Cause I just, I'm not prepared for it, you know, I, and just in general in my weekend fishing, I'm not prepared half the time. Uh, Sam, you'd laugh at me because I have uh, so much tackle. It's insane. Like, like, and I literally will throw like maybe 1% of it, you know, and it's literally, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I laugh at myself because I get so disorganized by looking for stuff that I have confidence in and just throwing everything around. And it's just, it's freaking hilarious, but you know, it's uh, something I want to take a look at personally myself next year and be like, Hey, how can I look at a lake or a section of river and like river stuff I'm getting, uh, I'm a lot better at. I can go look on Google maps now and say, yeah, that, that area is going to suck. This area could potentially be good, but when it comes to lakes, it's, you know, I fall short of that, but you know, um, I think also you surround yourself with anglers that are better than you and you ask questions and follow those guys around, man, you're going to learn a lot. You know, I've learned a lot. I learned a lot just in my small trip with Brian, dude. Like, you know, I went and saw Brian and I got, I was super stoked when I left. I, and I probably lost 50% of the fish I hooked up with, but also (laughs) that's the first time I've ever caught fish. I think in, you know, 15, plus feet of water you know we were at, well nice. what was it 12 to 15 maybe and you know, <laughs> sorry I, I i'm over here gloating i'm you know shining my uh, fingernails and uh, puffing out my shirt <laughs> you know it is, it's, it, well, it, 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 it helps you know like oh i, mean, I totally I mean, agree dude i totally agree like brad and I think I helped Brad out this spring and it wasn't me necessarily having experience it was just Brad and I had been fishing a lot in the river in the early spring before he kind of had, and I was like, dude, they're the fish are in the weeds, man. Um, I've been finding like crazy. He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, not the rocks, but anything that has, you know, mm-hmm. weeds and it's got water submerged sort of, you know, and there's patches that are empty and throw in there. And literally Brad and I caught back to back fish. Within so here, here, 10 yards here's the time. next step, not to just like completely cut you off, but to completely cut you off. Here's the next step, though. So now why? That has to be the next question. I think so many people, they figure out the bite, but then they don't try and figure out why. Why are those fish there that time of year? What's causing them to go to this spot? And then once you start doing that, once you start taking all the little breadcrumbs and, you know, building upon one after one, then that's when you can start going to any lake, any river, and break it down really quick. So that's what you gotta try and like, when you get back from the water and you you reevaluate your day, try and figure out why. Why were those fish in the grass versus on the wood or on the rock? Why are they offshore? Why are they on the bank? You know, and once you start figuring out all that, I think that's what makes the difference between, like you said, between the weekend guy who goes out for fun and hits the same bank every weekend 
and the guy who finishes tournaments fairly regularly and does okay, and the guy who goes out and is always in the top. Yeah. It's understanding the why. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. I had a light bulb kind of click off when I was down there at Newton uh, fishing day two, Um, you know, because it was a similar situation. Fish were in the weeds or they were in shade. So that told me they just Mm -hmm. wanted to be out of the sun. And as soon as I figured that out, it was bang, bang. But, uh, (laughs) you know, Josh, you, you had an interesting statement and I think this is a great conversation piece too. And this goes, goes back to the mental game. You said when it comes to tournaments, you said something along the lines of like, basically, you know, you're not going to win or, or, or something like that. Right. Is that what you said? Yeah. So. With that mindset going into it, you already lost, in my opinion. You well, get, you, I get what you're saying, and it's not that I don't have confidence in myself as a fisherman. It's just that with the way I am now as a fisherman is that I don't put in the preparation to be, like, confident to say that. You know what I mean? Now, like, for you guys, you guys go in and you're going to have that mindset that's good i'm saying because i'm not prepared that there's a slim chance of that i mean come on like if i if it was sam and i head to head going up to lacrosse he's showing up you know days before you know out there on the water putting in a time he, he knows how to dissect that lake already ahead of time he's already looked up map points i don't know how to do it so i'm just being realistic in a sense in my mind about it is there a snowball chance in hell? Possibly, you know, but, you know, that was just, that's if the stars aligned perfectly and I just happened to find a school of 20s just sitting in front of me probably, you know, but that's just, that's what I mean by that. Like, yeah, so, if, you, if, you, if you've put in the time and the effort and everything like that and you've put in the work and you're going to go up there and you're going to pre-fish, yeah, every, yeah, you should have the mindset that you can go in there and win it. You know, there's no doubt about that. I'm just saying as me personally, that's just how I view it at this point, you know, because of I don't have the time, you know, at this point to put in that kind of effort for it. So maybe in the future, once I get a grasp on it, but dude, I'm, I'm fairly new to the tournament game. I'm super new to lake fishing. Like this is the first year I've actually spent on any lake besides Kaiser Lake. And Brad can tell you that thing's basically as big as some of the rivers that we have and yeah. it's uh and even then dude like there's i can't i i can't figure out a pattern with that i've figured out patterns of like a certain time that i just fell upon you know but there wasn't any research or anything of that nature and literally i wasn't even fishing out of the kayak we were just standing in the wall or throw you know two feet of water thrown out to the weeds at you know in the evening and it was sort of like how they were shoot, uh, catching fish when we were in Dale Hollow. They were just in the weeds and it was fall time. But, you know, it's um, it's a learning thing. I try to learn from it. And each year I get a little bit better at it. So, you know, hopefully next year the lake stuff gets better. And, you know, for me, there's no reason for me to go drop the money that it costs for you guys to travel and do this stuff um, without being prepared for it, you know. Um, 
that's just kind of my take on it. Like, I, I'd like to get into more tournaments. I think next year I'm going to kind of try to concentrate on something locally. Sure, sure. You no, know, but. Well, that's the best place to start is at the local club level, no doubt. But you, you brought up something interesting, and I'm going to propose this as well uh, to Sam. I think what would be cool is if we did maybe a live stream or a YouTube video on map study. Like how we yeah. get, how yes. each of us go about breaking that down and what we're looking at, what we're looking for, things like that. Um, I think that would be cool. I think I, I, I get where you're coming from, and I, I've, I've heard that before. You know, you're not the first person to say that, Josh. Like, I don't really know how to break down a lake. I don't know how to, like, look at maps and things like that. So I think that that would be something cool um, if you guys at home are listening um reach out to us let us know if that's something you would dig or want to see or something like that because i mean i know i did a ton of ton of research on that going into like this season and stuff like that and uh i mean it's helped me tremendously so um i mean i think it would be interesting to see how sam breaks it down how i break it down you know and things like that um maybe we can get somebody else to join us on there as well that's Really, I've actually go ahead. I've actually studied to, uh, topo maps in college, so I can read a fishing map. Well, that's good. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, okay, so that's man, and we this this would be an awesome. I agree, this would be an awesome podcast or go live, yeah, uh, because there are so many different levels you go. So, okay, so you know how to read a topo map really well, but the question is, do you understand? fishing behaviors and patterns enough to relate that to fishing i do somewhat i just need to figure out how to fish those certain baits deep i think that's the thing or or finding structure off offshore like you do that's that's the thing i struggle with is finding the structure yeah figuring out how how to target the fish yeah you're you're right. There are so, there's so many different levels of it. First is finding the fish. You know, and that starts from understanding seasonal patterns, mm-hmm. understanding forage, understanding the seasonal patterns of forage, right? <laughs> finding the fish, and then the other part of it is figuring out how to catch them. So yeah. it's there's multiple and there's other layers, sub layers within that. So I think that would be really just kind of an awesome series to do sure and again yeah listeners you know let us know what you think about this but starting with how to read a map or maybe starting with fishing um fish um patterns you know how how to understand seasonal patterns of fish how to understand bait fish then how to read a map then how to go and isolate those areas on the water and practice for those so we could do a whole informational series on that. And yes, there are a lot of great anglers who have done this. Fluke comes to mind. Tactical Bassin comes to mind. There are great resources out there. Um, in fact, one of the best map study resources I've ever seen didn't even come from a professional. It was just an average guy putting together some YouTube videos, and it was really, really What's uh, that dude's good name? Stuff. He was a college fisherman, wasn't he? That's who we're talking about? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 
I may not want to share that with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I don't remember. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I don't to, remember his I name either, but... Yeah, but he's on YouTube. He's pretty easy to find. He's got probably like six or seven um, segments, and they're probably like 30, 45 minutes long, I think. Yeah. Um, where he really goes in depth about how to break down um, maps, and he talks about those seasonal patterns, and he talks about how to break down different types because you've got highland reservoirs, you've got natural lakes, you've got, um, you know, like the TVA system. So there's all river systems. There's all kinds of different lakes and they all set up differently. Um, as far as your, your map study and your, your fish habitat and uh, the kinds of bait that are in them. So it's definitely that next level stuff that I think really makes a difference out there. Uh, on the tournament scene and I'm by no means an expert in this stuff you know Um, and there are guys that are far far better at it than me but I do have a a basic understanding of it and I'm every day I'm you know building on that you're not an expert (laughs) (laughs) I guess it depends on who you're talking to 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 my uh, six year old daughter I'm I'm an expert (laughs) You're a pro. The fluke, fluke master, I'm probably just a peon who doesn't know anything and should watch more of his videos. Oh, dude, I watch his videos all the time. You should. Brad, you you're going to be excited, dude, when you get a uh, side view on your fish finder because you, since you do have an understanding of topography maps, dude, the, <laughs> the fact of having the ability to look out what's to your left and right is going to just blow your mind because you're going to be able to see the cover that you have not been able to see that's mm-hmm. under the water. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that. That that was a huge upgrade for me this season. Uh, like I had, I always had down scan, regular sonar, and mm-hmm. GPS. But this year when I upgraded and I got that side view, like... <laughs> what a world of difference and wow the stuff yeah. i saw and found um cash me some checks i'll say that much there's no doubt in that i'm telling you right now 100 percent certainty without my lawrence unit that i have on my boat this year i wouldn't have done half as well as i've done yeah same mm-hmm. thing here you with know, my garmin yeah, I, I mean, I'm an offshore guy, um, so that plays a big part. In fact, I'm getting ready to make a big upgrade uh, before next season. How big? So, ten inch. Well, twelve. I mean, more technology wise. So I'm gonna go. So I'm right now. I'm running a hook two seven inch, which is an awesome budget unit. I mean, it's jam packed with features. It's really solid. Uh, so for anyone who's looking to get into you know, a really good unit at a fair price. That's definitely a good place to start. That's why I started there. But yeah, I'm looking at going to. I was. I've been really thinking about doing the elite, but now I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go all in. I'm gonna go HDS Live nine inch. Nice. Yeah. Snap. So, I mean, if I'm gonna do this thing and get out here and fish at this level, I want to make sure I have the right tools to do it. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm going with. So with that said, Brad, if you want to get a hook too, uh, I got a deal for you. All right. 
If you, if yeah. you want a Garmin nine inch, hit me up. Uh, I'm still, I'm still between uh, uh, some options right now. I'm I'm looking at Raymarine, uh, Humminbird, you know. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna Brian, do. if you're getting rid of the nine inch Garmin, what are you going to? I don't know. I had no plans to do that. I just threw that out there to to, to, to snake your sail there, buddy. Oh, God. <laughs> I see how it is. No, I don't know. Uh, I like I I got no complaints over my Garmin nine inch. I've like I said, I've had great success with it. Uh, does everything I need it to do. Um, you know, there are some more advanced stuff things out there that i could upgrade can you to. hook up live scope to oh it? yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah baby. you gonna do that i don't know it's pretty expensive upgrade there buddy but i don't know yeah but but like look at what you just said though so that was kind of my thought too right like two grand for a sonar right my kayak wasn't even two grand sure um but think about what you just said a minute ago because of that unit, you've cashed some checks this year, right? I don't know if live scope would really make that much of a difference, to be honest. Okay, well that's I mean, another podcast, but <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. That is a whole another podcast, whole another <laughs> podcast. So, uh, I guess uh, to to round the night off, we'll talk about the Turkey Bowl, eh? Heck yeah. Gobble gobble. <laughs> so who's your team? Who's my team? Yeah. I know Alan Reed's gotta be in there. So let's start off with the team name. Alright. Oh, because any good team has a great team name. Okay? So if you fish the turkey bowl, you gotta come up with the team name because that's what's going on in your identifier. So I'm gonna tell you my team name and then you can we'll we'll see if you guys can guess who it is. All right, two and a half men. Oh, that's right. It's you, Alan Reed, and Dylan Fuqua. That's, that's right. right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. 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 Me, Alan, and old Dylan uh, pairing up for for the Turkey Bowl, um, and uh, pretty excited about that trio right there. It's going to be a good time. So. Well, you want our team name? I started a group chat with our team today. And I named named our our group chat something, and I guess we'll just use that as a, as our team name. What do you think, Josh? I'm down for whatever, man. It sounds good to me. Turkey Bowl champs. Just saying. <laughs> wow, how original! I mean, you want to just yeah, write the check yeah. now or what, bro? <laughs> Well, here's the thing. In order to claim that title, you've had to have won the title. So there's only one team that's done that because this is the second annual. So I'm going to have to revoke your rights of claiming that. We're going to win. So, like, I mean. Yeah, but you haven't yet. Dude, it's me, Josh Eldridge, the guy that doesn't know how to read maps and doesn't like to fish lakes. And then the dude that played chicken with a boat on Lake Newton at the crossroads, Brock Howell. (laughs) Hey, I'm not. I'm not gonna discredit you. Guys are gonna do probably pretty well. You're gonna yeah, have a chance to win it. We're gonna play chicken not, with boats. I'm not gonna allow you guys fish to be blind. the turkey bowl champs. We're gonna just, fish you, blind. You gotta earn it. You gotta Dude, earn it. We got everything going in our direction, bro. 
listen, I'm the tournament director, and I say you can't do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So come up with another name. All right. Be creative. Don't be so lame All and right. try and take a title you haven't earned. All right. That's fine. That's fine. Hicks, you got your team established yet? Uh, I think me and Justin Marshall were still looking for a third. You should yeah. reach out to Jay Randall. Mm-hmm. Jay mm-hmm. Randall. I can you do that. Can I like also, Jay Yeah, because that way also, Jay could ride down with me then. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. Yeah, reach out to Jay. Reach out to Jay. Get Jay involved in this thing. That's a good idea. What about As- Rickett? Ricketts uh, not coming over? I don't know. We'll have to talk Ricketts, to him. calling you out right now, man. Don't be a punk. Come fish. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool if, if he came out there with us. Yeah. Well, maybe we should talk about what this tournament is. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably yeah. that's probably a pretty good idea. Three-man teams. What's the yep. name of the lake? Geist Reservoir. Indianapolis, Indiana. It's uh, the second annual Turkey Bowl on Geist Reservoir. We did this uh, last year for the first time. I think we had five teams, um, and it's something that we want to continue to do every year. This year, it's going to be much bigger than last year. We've got, uh, you know, last year was just a group of guys showed up at the lake, at the ramp, and went fishing. Um, This year, we've got sponsor prizes. We've got tournament headquarters. Uh, Murphy's Craft House there in Indianapolis is hosting it for us. We're going to use their parking lot in the morning for the captain's meeting. And then afterwards, you know, November can be a little bit chilly out on the water all day. So we're going to have a warm place to go inside, get some appetizers and some pizza on uh, on Murphy's. And then uh, we'll have some drinks as well. But it'll be a good time for everyone. We're going to have 100% payout on this deal at $75 entry fee for uh for each team so 25 dollars a guy uh you know pay cash in the morning get paid at the end uh so quick turnaround there and then we're gonna have a ton of sponsor prizes so you're you're gonna you're gonna walk away with product um no matter what so we're gonna have door prizes and breakfast in the morning for everyone and then we're gonna have you know the payout 100 percent uh, payout 50% for first place, uh, 30 for second, and 20 for third. First place is also going to get a uh, prize pack per angler. So all three guys on the team are going to get a sweet prize pack uh, from our sponsors. And then uh, finally this year, we're throwing in, you know, we want to give back, uh, we're throwing in a food drive. So a uh, non-perishable food drive, it could be canned or boxed. We're gonna collect uh, donations um, at the uh, at the weigh-in at the results ceremony. Anyone who enters that will be entered in to win a prize pack as well, an individual prize pack. So, uh, you know, we've got some some really great sponsors, and I think it's gonna be a cool event. We've got people coming from uh, multiple different states. I know Ohio. Uh, Illinois, Indiana, of course, Kentucky. I think there's a couple guys in Tennessee that want to come down uh, or come up. And, uh, you know, it should be a really great event. I'm looking forward to it. So is there individual standings as well? Individual and team? Or just there is There there is not. This is a team event only. No individual standings. 
how's the team going to work? Best five fish for each angler three. all combined? Best three fish. Best three. So what it is, and you're not required each to submit a fish. So it's not each each angler on the team has to submit a fish. It's just best overall fish. So, uh, for example, if me, uh, Brad, and yourself are all on a team, and I catch two big ones and you catch a big one, and Brad's are you know smaller keepers, that's fine. We can use my two and your one. If you, uh, if Brad catches all three of the bigger fish, we can use his three bigger ones. Um, so uh, that's kind of the format. It's we're going to do manual entry. It's kind of hard to set it up through Tourney X that way. In fact, it's it's not really possible. So we're just going to do manual entry on that. And um, I was about to ask that. Yeah, yeah. So we would have loved to have used Tourney X, and originally that was kind of our thought, but because of the way that we have it set up, um, we can't really do that. Uh, we're going to be running off of KBF standard rules, all KBF watercraft, acceptable watercraft, motorized co- uh, watercraft will be allowed, uh, but it'll just be three-man teams, best three bass. Now, there, there one individual thing outside of the food drive prize is big bass. So, uh, you know, you can't have a turkey bowl without a big turkey, right? <laughs> right. So the big bass prize, there's no additional pot for that or anything like that. The big bass prize will get to take home a big Thanksgiving turkey. I like Sweet. it. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Cool. Uh, Just mail it to my address. Um <laughs> I'm just talking smack because I know I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna be playing chicken with chicken with boats. <laughs> there probably won't be any. Well, there might. Last year we fished a week later, and there was a boat tournament out there. Um, but we didn't. They were all in one pocket. Yeah. Um, every single one of them, almost. So we didn't really see them. Gotcha. Well. I'm looking forward to it, dude. It's going to be a good time. Um, yeah. Just to, just to get out and spend some time on the water. Plus a good cause, man. I mean, food drive, all that good stuff. Uh, kind of like the last hoorah of the season, you know. But Yeah, uh, you got it. That's That was the whole idea about it, you know. It's just it's after tournament season's wrapped up. It kind of gives us about a month break, really, for most of these clubs or more. And just one last chance to get together as a group of anglers before, before the ice hits and, you know, it gets unsafe to be out there. So, uh, sure. yeah, just about just a little fun fishing tournament, no points involved, you know, just, uh, having a good time and, and getting together with friends. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. And I that's a kayak by then. <laughs> well, if you need a boat to borrow, I got a spare uh, one in the garage. I have one to borrow right now it's just i want mine i hear you <laughs> i hear you um yeah if somebody needs a boat hit me up uh i'd be more than happy to bring an extra boat down or two bring me a big rig ft yeah i knew that was coming <laughs> yeah it, <laughs> if you're listening to this and, and you're interested in doing this um if if you have some type of a limitation reach out uh, yeah, reach yeah. out to myself reach out to alan uh reach out to brian you know uh paddle and finn obviously is a sponsor of this event and 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 brian's been instrumental Wait, in getting are? some of this stuff together yeah 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 oh 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I, sorry, sorry, forgot. sorry, sorry. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but yeah, if it's a if it's a boat issue because you're in between boats or or whatever, if it's I you don't know anyone to put a team together. Yeah. Jump, jump on. Uh, give us a, give us a holler. Or in fact, go to Hoosier Kayak Bassman on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and a group jump on the group there are other people out there looking for a team uh so don't hesitate to reach out we will get you hooked up with someone we'll get you on the water um it's like again it's going to be a great event we're going to have food both uh before and after the tournament so no one's going to go hungry and you're going to walk away with something either some cash and prizes or or just some uh, some sort of prize and hopefully you know we've already got some great sponsors we might get a couple more on here right now we got trc covers angler Paddle and Finn, as I said, Moving Water Outfitters here in uh, Indianapolis, Biz Baits, and Wicked Weights, Quality Tungsten. Uh, and then, of course, our our host, our venue, uh, Murphy's Craft House. So uh, we're going to have a lot of awesome prizes for guys. I dig it, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Spending some time in the Paddle and Finn house with all you goofy, goofy bastards. <laughs> Hell to the yeah. Hell to the nah-nah. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I think this was a good conversation. I dig this. We should do this more often. We should. Yeah, I, we need a bigger group next time. Yeah. Once a month. Once a month. Yeah. Pile and fan powwow. I like yep. it. I like it. Well, you guys got anything else to add to this uh, good stuff? Think I'm good. Nope. All right. Well, with that being said, guys, don't forget to check out the website, paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Click that store tab at the top. Give it a gander. I said that because I know Josh likes it when I say give it a gander. <laughs> if you guys got a question, comment. Uh, it's the bee's knees. It's the cat's <laughs> meow. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking if Gander Mountain would have had Brian – in a commercial saying that they wouldn't have went out of business oh. <laughs> ouch dude they just closed down the gander outdoors out here oh jeez. Yeah. oh wow that's a whole nother subject Bell number two yeah <clears throat> well you know is what it is um if you guys are looking for a teammate or want to hear us talk about uh, some of the stuff we talked about tonight more in depth or, or anything of that nature, feel free to reach out at paddle, the letter N and Finn at gmail.com or hit us up on our social media at paddle, the letter N and Finn. Shout out to our show supporters. Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers, and Jigmaster Jigs. Don't forget about the Plastics Recycling Program, you guys. Take your used, beat-up plastics, mail them to my man Eric Richards at Hammered Lures. The address is in the show notes. He melts those down into new baits and donates them to various Heroes on the Water chapters. Till next time. Tight lines. Smooth paddle.
What's up, boys and girls? Just wanted to take a quick minute to talk to you about the Paddle and Fin gear. If you haven't seen it yet, go to Paddle, the letter N, and Fin.com. Go click that store tab at the top. Check out the store. We got tons of t-shirt designs, long sleeves, hoodies, phone cases, you name it, it's on there. Give it a gander.